to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Today, we will be joined by Jeanette McDonald, Ruth Mathewson, and Susan Hamilton to discuss the importance of buying local. Jeanette McDonald is the Public Trust Coordinator with the Nova Scotia Federation of Agriculture. She grew up on a dairy farm in rural Nova Scotia. Jeanette is a graduate of the Nova Scotia Agricultural College, now Dalhousie University. She enjoys sharing the stories of agriculture and farming in Nova Scotia and working with farmers, the NSFA team, commodity organizations, and many others to develop great programs, events, and training. Jeanette, her husband, and their children also have a dairy farm in Milford, Nova Scotia, too. Ruth is the owner-operator of Harmony Woolen Mill and manager of Woolies of Upper Brook Farm. She raises North Country Cheviot sheep for breeding stock, with the wool being an added benefit. Susan is the owner-operator of Wild Pasture Farm in Lower Onslow, focusing on grass-fed beef and pasture-raised poultry and pork. She direct sells her meat on farm and at the Truro Farmers Market with a drop-off in Halifax monthly. Before starting her business, she grew up on a dairy farm and broiler chicken operation in the Annapolis Valley, then went on to Dalhousie Agricultural College and got her business management diploma. She met her husband at the Agricultural College and a few years later moved to his dairy and sheep farm uh, where she currently runs her operation. So I wanna thank you very much ladies for being with us today. Happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, so Jeanette, I'm gonna start with you as kind of uh, the quarterback as it is in the province and maybe tell us a little bit about your role uh, with the Federation and how you work with local producers and local processors to promote buying Nova Scotia products here in the province. Sure, so my role is fairly new with the Federation. The work isn't totally new, but my role is new. I started uh, last November as the Public Trust Coordinator and this has been become a dedicated position um, to really focus on the relationships of farmers, the whole food system and Nova Scotians um, in general. So a lot of the work that has happened in this position before were events like Open Farm Day, uh, Meet Your Farmer at the Mall, hosting Canada Ag Day events and things like that. So um, my, my role now is to develop a bit more in terms of supporting work and resources. So resources uh, that can be downloaded, podcasts like this, a new website, things like that. We're still really focused on events. Uh, COVID-19 has kind of thrown a wrench into that for us a bit. Um, so the Meet Your Farmer events are going to look a little different as we uh, navigate doing some more online types of things. Um, but then really, it's all going to have kind of a, a public trust lens on it. And that means that this is it's a dialogue and it's something that we want to have Nova Scotians become involved with. So how do they get to know their farmer? How do they get to know their whole food system? And how do they have a voice uh, in that? Excellent. So one of the things uh, that we talk about a lot in agriculture is really that connection of the farmer producing the food or the fiber or the product to the consumers. And uh, maybe I'll start with you, Ruth. Uh, this is something you've been at for, I think, a fair while now. Uh, how did you and your family get into the direct marketing of uh, both lamb products for meat and some of your wool products to consumers? Uh, my father was a, uh, a professor at the local agricultural college. 
now, Dal, and he used to bring his students out here to see what he was doing on the farm when he was raising his sheep. Our sheep are um, dependent on what our land looks like, but given, because they're from the highlands of Scotland, the North Country Cheviots, and that said, there's not much use for their wool, and the price of wool at the time wasn't very great if you sold it just by the pound raw. Uh, so my mother started making wool comforters, and that included processing the wool right from, of course, the husbandry of the sheep, but uh, washing, carding, and then producing the comforters. And so she had been doing that for the past, I don't know, 35 years or something like that. And that's how it all started. Uh, I moved back to Truro in 2004 and purchased a mill from Belfast Mini Mills, and that greatly increased our resources to be able to process the wool. And it's kind of gone from there. Being a purebred breeder, you don't always get high quality animals. So those ones that weren't up to the genetics that we wanted to continue, those ones became the lamb meat that we sold to our consumers. So it's, it's kind of, uh, you need to be diversified and you need to do the best that you can and produce the highest quality that you can for your consumers. And it just word of mouth and doing some advertising at the local farmer's market, which we've been part of for over 40 years. Those have all led to our longevity in the industry. And Susan, you're fairly new into this in the in the last five to, to seven years of direct marketing to consumers and, and actually come, I think, from a bit of a background uh, in the supply managed world where uh, there's not a lot of that direct to consumer marketing. What made you uh, shift your mindset and, and go into the more direct-to-consumer production and, and marketing? I guess when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to farm differently than my family. So I wanted my cattle on pasture their whole lives. Um, I wanted to feed them. I didn't want to feed them grain. And I knew at the time that if I was going to go to the extra effort of doing things a, bit, a little bit more naturally, I just knew that it wouldn't be the thing to just send them to the local slaughter plant to just get mixed with everything else. I guess in grade 11, a friend told me about the Wolfville Farmer's Market. And I went there and I instantly just, I loved it. It just felt so great to be there and to see all the vendors and to buy this good local stuff. And I just, I knew then that that was what I was going to do. After I started farming on my own, I just, you know, went to the local farmer's market and it all kind of started from there. But I just knew that if, you know, if you're going to raise this product and go to the extra work of doing it a little bit differently, that it was kind of the only way is to sell it yourself. So Jeanette, maybe just a question back to you to loop back around what you see in some of the work that you do on the broader scale. Are a lot of the farmers that you're connecting with what we'll call traditional family farms, or is it a lot of small scale producers, or is there a good mix across uh, commodities and farm size and types uh, that you partner with in your promotions and events? I think that one of our greatest features in Nova Scotia is the diverse makeup of the farms that we have in the province. So, I mean, they're really all family owned and operated farms. Um, some are more conventional, some are more small scale, some are organic, some are, you know, doing very specific, unique things. And I think that's something that's really great about agriculture here in Nova Scotia. And it helps kind of really form the overall story that we have to tell about our food and how our food is produced. 
I think we've seen in the last number of years more people um, being attuned to wanting to buy local and hearing more about uh, buying local um, in terms of food and agriculture, but in other uh, things as well, and just in, in as a general consumer. So all three of you have mentioned the importance of farmers markets as a way to connect with consumers directly. And maybe we'll we'll start with Susan this time. What drove you to go to the farmers market as well as having an online and uh, on farm shop? And, and how does that fit in your in your marketing plan? And then really, I guess one of the big things that is on everybody's mind nowadays is you know, how has your marketing model or or your way to reach consumers really shifted since March and the COVID pandemic? I guess with like why I started going to the farmer's markets, that's what I was exposed to. And particularly, you don't need a lot of like startup costs to start the farmer's market. Um, it's really easy for somebody who's just starting to just, you know, apply and, and get a table and just bring your stuff there one day a week, as long as your market is taking what you provide because some markets have limits on how many producers there are but yeah it was just it was easy and I knew that going to a farmer's market I would be exposed to a lot of people really quickly as well as like doing you know Facebook and Instagram and then after being at the market for a few years that kind of helped people know who I was and then um, in 2017 I put in a walk-in freezer and when I did that I also put in just a little bit of store frontage on front and I had hours as well for that. So I have my little shop. And then after that, I kind of been doing the city drop off once a month. I started that a few years ago, which it was really slow to start, but in the past couple of years, it's been really good. Um, just through my website and Facebook, people finding me. The farmer's market closed um, after March 7th. That was our last market um, in the spring. And then it was April where they started doing the ordering through the week, and that went really well. I had my shop still open at the time. I kind of sold out in May, and then I'm quite seasonal, so I had chicken in June, but I didn't really have a lot of red meat until the fall. It was kind of weird. Um, a lot of my sales um, marketing things changed, but at the same time, I didn't really have the product, so it's kind of a blessing in disguise to have to navigate all these different ways of selling but also I didn't have the product but the market opened back up in June and then I didn't go back until September and it's still kind of slow but I can't complain too much it's been doing uh, better than I thought it would. Maybe over to you Ruth. Okay great so in the last few years we've also had free-range pastured non-GMO chicken and that's really kind of helped the farm as I mentioned earlier you need to be a little diverse in this day and age I do have a wool shop with blankets and sheepskins and knitted items, as well as my mill. So while well, the shop basically shut down during COVID, unless you wanted something specific, and then people would come and I or I would send them pictures online, and they would choose. And the mill has just continued on because that's usually a you know a doorstep drop kind of thing, or put it in put it in the career. However. With COVID, I had a lot of chickens left over from last year, and so they were able to go online at the Toro Farmer's Market. I sold out all the ones that were remaining in my freezer early on, and then when the next batch came in of fresh ones in June, then they started up. So that, that's continued on, and actually I've got less in my freezer this year than I did last year at the same time, so that's, that's a blessing. 
So when COVID started, I was able to to sell the remaining uh, chicken that I had from last year, and it's been going very well with the Turo online market. And I also started selling at the, uh, not with chicken, but with other items at the New Glasgow Farmers Market too, which I hadn't been part of in the past. So those two online sales has been really good. Um, unfortunately, I can't be at the Turo Farmers Market because I'm um, actually working at Stanfield sewing gowns on the weekends. But I am represented by two of the other vendors at the Turo Farmers Market um, because we also make jams and jellies and those are sold through Glenn the Green Grocer and my woolen items such as dryer balls, uh, sheepskins, blankets, those are being sold by Ron Laking. So really the vendors have kind of picked up where I, where I can't be there in person. We also, my knitter switched gears and began sewing some face masks. So you kind of need to pivot when you're a small business to do what the consumers need or, or would like. It's nice to have a, a more natural source of the face mask that you can breathe through and it'll fit well. So we're just doing the best we can with what we've been given. And um, if somebody is looking, then it's usually via online or phone call and we're able to provide it. My, my shop is very small, so it's not ideal for people to come into the shop, but I can certainly send photos or um, provide options. And, you know, of course, maintaining social distancing. COVID-19 hit and that really kind of ramped up the response that consumers had in wanting to uh, know where their food was coming from. The grocery stores were a scary place to go. People felt nervous, uneasy about it, um, and then really wanted to, to find someone that they could um, source locally from. So a lot of the direct-to-market um, producers were in a unique position to, uh, to ramp up sales, um, maybe turn to an online format, things like that. So the last, you know, nine months have have really shifted a bit again on what it is to buy local and and the farms that are are responding to that. So one of my my favorite stories is uh, I used to work for a guy that had a local meat shop here in in Truro when I was going to university and um, you know he always said that he was selling the story and and selling it an experience and not necessarily his meat product though it was it was very good and I think you've all kind of alluded to that so with modern tech, I call it modern technology, but with social media and websites, maybe not being as personal as being able to see consumers one-to-one, how do you still make that constant connection with your consumers? So not they just see your story, but they feel like they have that personal relationship with you. From my perspective, social media has been really great because I love Instagram because it's so visual. You can get a story across much better than you can, in my opinion, on Facebook. For example, we have some free-range eggs and, you know, you see a beautiful fall maple tree and you hear a rooster in the background. Um, Some things, it was just perfect timing. But I feel you can get a lot across on social media without actually being there. So you see happy sheep, you see happy chickens. I've actually got three pigs that I'm trying this year. Um, They're doing a fantastic job of naturally tearing up my soil. That's actually been a lot of fun. I know, Susan, you have um, pork as well. That's just a side benefit for me, but I'm looking forward to trying it. But that's how it's worked out for me. Um, For me, um, yeah, Instagram and Facebook is definitely very necessary for my business. It shows people that, like, what I'm claiming is actually what I'm doing. So 
you know, you can put the free range labels and the grass fed labels on your meat, but when your customers can see your pictures and your videos, it just goes even further and shows them that you are doing what you say and they're just getting what they expect in their mind. They see the animals running around on pasture and they see you doing the work and it also you show them when you have stuff in stock and all those kinds of things and you know how to get the products and when you're open and yeah it's just social media is really great for for us small scale people for sure i'm gonna chime in here too on this one um we had to pivot open farm day uh to meet covid19 um health recommendations and move it to an online format. And that was kind of a, a nerve wracking thing at first was, you know, open farm day has typically been a very, um, thousands of people attend open farm day across the province to go to farms and have that experience of going on a wagon ride or purchasing from a farm and doing something that's very kind of special and unique. So uh, when we asked farms to, to do videos instead or go live on their own social media pages, it took a little bit for people to respond to that. And it was a it was a learning um, moment for us too in terms of getting the videos and getting the content out there. But once it's out there, people can always find it, and that's something that's really great about social media and YouTube. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, is that you know once it's there, people come back and take a look. So when you have a, a video up on YouTube, you can share it, you can get people to go see it. So we had 32 farms on Open Farm Day this year. All of that content is on the Atlantic Open Farm Day YouTube page. We still have people coming and taking a look at those videos so they haven't become stagnant. Um, and it's stuff that we can share. And we're getting lots of positive feedback on um, the learning experience. Even when you don't get to visit the farm, um, people are still learning about how food is produced or what happens on a daily basis. Or um, maybe there was something that you can't show on Open Farm Day or you can't show the public when they come for a visit to your farm um, that you can record and show them later. So maybe it's milking in the parlor or the robot or meat processing or wrapping, something like that, that you wouldn't typically show um, when people are there for a tour or visit. So there's lots of ways that social media can play a part in just showing the everyday uh, story that happens on your farm and and not just the things that you want to sh share for a tour or a visit. Uh, I know some of the stuff that we're doing in the office uh, here too, as far as even meetings and workshops, uh, you know, the transition or the pivot from in person to online, there there are definitely some benefits and and drawbacks to it. But I think the greatest benefit is being like you folks say is to be able to archive that material so that it is accessible to folks who weren't able to make an event or that want to go back and revisit it or share it with friends or family or or colleagues who weren't able to make the the event as well. Uh, so so maybe just kind of shifting a little bit and. You know, we're, we're talking about a lot about buying local and outside of, you know, the connection and, and knowing where your food is coming from and, and knowing who's producing it. Uh, what do you think some of the other greatest benefits of local production are? Um, and maybe to a second part of that is, you know, what other parts of the story do we need to tell our consumers related to buying local? I would say that you're not just buying from the farmer you're supporting so many more people and it's really great what we have to offer here in terms of food and fiber and you have the grain farmers that support your your livestock and you have the farm stores that help you 
getting your livestock or your feed. You have truckers, you have grocery stores, the farmers markets. You have to start somewhere and, and the farmers are really the people on the ground providing you with these products. I know personally the mill is, is uh, my woolen mill is busier all the time with people wanting to make their own crafts or do knitting or people seem to be going back to the, the olden ways of, you know, the joy of making something themselves or just not going to the store and purchasing it. Although, you know, we're lucky we have stores as well, but, um, and it's really nice to see, although a little annoying because I make jams and jellies and it's hard to find jars at the moment, but, um, it's really nice to see people getting out and, and enjoying what they can get locally and sharing it with their family and friends. Um, I'll just add that um, when it comes to buying local, um, you're getting better quality and, you know, your dollars are staying in your community and, and you know, sometimes you're buying from your neighbor and, and then, you know, my business supports other businesses that I need to keep my business going and, it just provides like a lot of good community feelings and especially for me who I had to move here um, and I, it really helped me to get to know people in my community. It also like people buying from me allowed me to make my own little spot on my in-laws farm and kind of carve out my name and my, you know, my living and stuff like that. So yeah, buying local is, is very important in, in the Maritimes and, you know, just helping your neighbors and your friends and, yeah, it's just been, it's been good. I think one other benefit of um, when you ask people to buy local or they see it as a value that they, that they hold uh, to support people in their community and to support people across the province is that they can see themselves in it as well. It, it creates something that they're a part of. Um, it's not just that routine. I've got to go get, you know, whatever from the grocery store, which it can be. Um, we've got lots of local products there, but it sometimes comes with just a bit more placement of themselves in the process so that they feel connected to to what it is that they're buying and that they know the story that goes behind it not just you know that the cattle were on pasture but they really know the whole process so from farm to fork they they understand what's happening I, I think I'd like to add that they also get to know the farmer that way too for myself I don't usually post photos of myself but if they come and they meet me and are able to see a lot of people come to the farm to pick things up and they can see how things are produced and how happy the animals are and they get to meet me and, and trust me as well. So I think that goes a long way. You know, I, I think especially when you get to a something like a farmer's market, uh, I think people just by experiencing the market get uh, a much better sense of community as a whole and you folks have kind of referenced that and you know about being part of the the greater thing than just the product they might be buying that day um yeah so we're we're heading up in the holiday season here this podcast is going to launch december 1st you know do, do you folks put any more emphasis around the holiday season uh whether or not it's the the christmas holiday or you know things like easter um, are you developing different products for those um, for those times of the year with the work you do, Jeanette? Um, are there specific things that you work on uh, with your public stakeholder engagement work that coincides with the holiday season? Um, so for me, I I raise turkeys and I only raise them as whole. Like I I get them killed as whole turkeys and. 
those are for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So for me, all I can focus on is making sure that those turkeys leave my freezer. Um, after Christmas, they don't really sell. So yeah, I'm just I'm really promoting the turkeys and that's all I kind of focus on. There's a lot of people that get chickens or other items, but pretty much all my energy goes into the turkeys because that's what I raise them for is for the holidays. I sell probably 55, 60% of the turkeys for Christmas. Um, this year has been a little different. It's a little bit more for Thanksgiving than usual, which is great. I didn't know how that was going to go back in the summer. I was I was worried. Like, did I get as many turkeys as I did? And I did, and it worked out well. So, yeah, turkeys, that's all I focus on, just making sure those turkeys leave. Because after Christmas, they don't really leave the freezer. <laughs> so for myself, uh, we have a Christmas tree lot. It's not very large, and we don't really promote it but it is a beautiful little spot you're able to go there and just select your tree and come back to the shop in the past we used to have hot apple cider and fresh baked goods but we can't do that anymore but at least um, families can come out and enjoy the little bit of space uh, there's a little there's a river but that said um, like the breeding stock not all trees are perfect so we're going to be offering a lot of brush this year and I make balsam for wreaths and we'll be having some kits to go along with that so we're going to be offering those online as well as uh, at the farmer's market so those are big as well as um, getting everybody wants their wool uh, this time of year so that they can make something for Christmas so the mill is very busy and again more folks looking for mittens and hats and blankets as gifts so the shop is also busy so with all of that, um, yeah, Christmas is big for us. Holidays are a great time to uh, to connect people with, with local goods for sure. Over Thanksgiving, we did a lot of social media around the, the ingredients that are used to make kind of a traditional Thanksgiving meal. So we focused on turkey, potatoes, turnips, carrots, like the whole gamut of things that are produced in Nova Scotia and gave a few examples of where you could find them. Uh, some producers, pictures, recipes, how to use the product, and we'll we'll do something like that again for Christmas holidays as well. Um, November, we took a look at featuring young farmers across the province. Uh, so that's a social media campaign that um, that we're focusing on and really trying to to get the face of young farmers in in our work as well. From COVID nineteen, we um, we launched a new campaign called Your Farmers, Your Nova Scotia. And it was created to better connect people across our province with the farmers in their communities. And it came out, you know, after COVID really took hold, but it was something that we had in the works, but the, the timing just seemed to really to push that forward a little quicker um, as we saw people wanting to buy more local. So farmers markets were shifting to online services and there was a lot more home delivery options. Uh, and farmers were really trying to step up. So our response here through the public trust lens was, was this new campaign called Your Farmers, Your Nova Scotia. And so we have a refreshed website, it's meetyourfarmer.ca, and we've got lots of farmer profiles up. So it tells a little bit about the farm, what they produce, um, there's pictures, and also recipes from, from the farms, um, often using local ingredients. And we just wrapped up a recipe competition. So asking Nova Scotians to 
submit their own recipes that are featuring local. So that's something that we're going to have a lot of fun with going through and seeing what all people are using in terms of local ingredients or what they think of when they're buying Nova Scotian um, and how they're cooking and using it. Uh, a lot of soups, a lot of um, those types of, of meals are coming out, especially um, since it was a, a fall recipe um, competition. But we have five farmers that are judging that competition. So they're going to take the recipe, buy the ingredients, make it and serve it to their family and kind of track that process on social media or uh, recording it on video for us to release. So just another fun way that we can show that farmers are real people and that they, they kind of cook and eat what regular people um, cook and eat as well and how they use it. So holidays and there's lots of special events and things that that we can do to to show the importance of buying local but also how it fits into fits into your meals and your shopping and your gifting and all of that selling online there are so many restrictions that you have to meet in order to do that at the farmer's market and you just you want to make sure that your customers are they know that they're getting the best quality that they that they can you know, everything has to go to the provincial inspector slaughterhouse and then I bring everything home in coolers and everything like everything is cut and then I take it home immediately and freeze it and then it stays frozen. So that ensures that stuff is really fresh. Um, it doesn't sit around for days and then goes in the freezer. It immediately goes in the freezer. Um, I only saw frozen meat. So that's something, you know, when you open that package and thaw it, it's really fresh or you can have it in your fridge for a few days. But yeah, all my stuff, it goes into the freezer immediately and it's it's held at the appropriate temperatures. And, you know, we have our food handler certificate for the farmer's market and our permits and all that stuff. So there's definitely a lot of food safety that is involved, that's for sure. So I guess just to wrap up here, uh, first of all, I want to thank uh, Jeanette and Ruth, uh, Susan, for, for joining us here this morning. Um, so if folks want to reach you directly, uh, how do they do that? Um, I guess I can start. So for me, my website is wildpasturefarm.net. And then you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at wildpasturefarm. Um, my farm shops open on Fridays from 1 to 6. And then I'm at the farmer's market every Saturday from 8 to 1 as well. And all that information is on, online. And for myself, I, my uh, website is woolies.ca. You can reach me at ruth at woolies.ca or on Facebook, Woolies of Upperbrook Farm, and on Instagram, Woolies NS. There are my representatives at the Farmers Market in Truro. Um, I'm also online at the Truro Farmers Market and in New Glasgow. And I don't have shop hours, it's by appointment uh, or chance. And uh, that just because my shop is small, that seems to be the best way to um, deal with COVID and distancing. But uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here today. And for the Federation, um, we are at www.meetyourfarmer.ca online. And on that website, um, you're going to find farmer profiles, the recipes, if we have events going on. Um, but also links to some food safety resources uh, with Perennia and the Department of Agriculture and Department of Environment. And also we have links to Taste of Nova Scotia and they have a by local directory that you can access online uh, with their campaign of Get Your Hands on Local. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram at NSFA Meet Your Farmer. 
So with that, once again, I'd like to thank you all for joining us here this morning. Uh, we hope you have a, a holiday season with uh, your friends, family, and loved ones, and uh, look forward to maybe chatting with you again on a related or different subject. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Thanks. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits and poultry all featured. Additional information such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. Here is the market report for the weekend at November 27th, 2020, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited, which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mark for more than 60 years. In the local hog market, base prices in Nova Scotia were $1.72 per kilogram, down 4.3 cents from last week. In Ontario, base price was down 4.3 cents as well to $1.63 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $1.75 per kilogram, down 8 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed price at Atlantic Beef Products was 2.21 on the rail, a decrease from two cents from the previous week. In Ontario, live steer sold for $1.36, moving down one cent from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was 2.27, up two cents from last week. Atlantic Stockyard sold for 57 cents a pound, downward change of five cents from last week, while rail price Atlantic Beef Products was $1.32 down two cents from the previous week. Calls in Ontario averaged 63 cents, no change from the prior week, and flat pricing in Quebec at 62 cents as well. Good Bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at stockyards sold for $116, up $21, while calves in Ontario were down two cents to a price of $1.04 per pound. Calves in Quebec were $1.12, a drop of five cents per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumberland Brookside Abattoir was $9.70 per kilogram, while mutton was $5 per kilogram. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs averaged $3.69 per pound at 60 pounds, ranging from $1.47 to $4.67. For 65 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards, they averaged $2.54 per pound at 74 pounds, ranging from $2.52 to $2.55. In Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs averaged 365 per pound at 71 pounds, ranging from 272 to 404. Ewes in Ontario averaged 240 at 143 pounds, ranging from $1.50 to $3.30. Make sure you check the association websites for additional pricing information. As part of the virtual workshop series, the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Sheep Producers Association of Nova Scotia are each releasing a monthly virtual farm tour until spring 2021. Additionally, the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers released a virtual vaccine handling and injection technique presentation by Dr. Alexander Burroughs of Fundy Vets, Jonathan Ward of Perennia, Ellen Crane of the Beef Cattle Research Council, and myself of the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers in November 2020. Check NS Cattle and NS Sheep ca and their social media for more updates. The Nova Scotia Young Farmers, Nova Scotia Federation of Agriculture and Farm Safety Nova Scotia annual meetings are occurring virtually between December 2nd and 4th. Events and presentations will continue all week. For more information, you can visit nsfa-fane.ca forward slash AGM. 
The Agricultural Excellence Conference is occurring virtually between December 8th and 10th for information or to register, please visit agexcellenceconference.ca. The Animal Health Emergency Management Project is hosting a serious animal disease awareness webinar on December 8th. Details and registration are available at animalhealth.ca. The next module of the Maritime Beef Council's Atlantic Beef School on farm business management is occurring virtually in January 2021. More information can be found at maritimebeef.ca. Upcoming feeder sales at Atlantic Stockyards are scheduled for December 8th. Uh, and weekly sales occurring on Thursday starting at 11 a.m. Check out their winter feeder sale date, which will be posted shortly at AtlanticStockyards.com. And a reminder of NSDA CAP programs, which are available. The Cattle Industry Enhancement Program application deadline is December 31st, 2020. For more information on that program, please visit novascotia.ca forward slash programs. And Prenia is offering a free online safe handling and transport of sheep and cattle course as a safe handling course is required for the programs mentioned previously. For additional information or to register, please visit perennia.ca forward slash learning. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime Agcast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes. <laughs>